before I get started, I just need to tell you that the word the youth group gave me today that I have to work into my sermon is marshmallow. So if you hear me say marshmallow in an appropriate way during this sermon, I win and they lose. <laughs> That's the way we like it. Not competitive or anything, though, just, just so you know, I don't compete. <clears throat> Not much, yeah. So you know the story of David, right? He was a shepherd boy. So he spent a lot of his life roaming around out in the desert, guarding sheep against various animals and people who would come to try to steal the sheep or to kill the sheep. And because of that, we talked about the Valley of Elah, where he had this battle with Goliath. And remember when I was talking about that battle, I said that God had given him everything that he needed through his past experiences to take care of the thing that was facing him directly in front. And that that is the way God still works with us today. God gives us everything we need to take care of what is facing us. To, to take care of the monster that is affronting us, God gave us in the past everything we need for that. It could be friends, it could be other relationships we have, it could be actual tools that we have in front of us. So David was used to those sorts of things, and so he wanders around in the wilderness. And then he uh, slaughters Goliath, and he gets chased around by Saul for a while because Saul got really jealous and wanted to kill him. And so we talked about the places that David would hide out when Saul was, was coming after him. And we told the story of David going and counting coup, essentially, on Saul by cutting off the corner of his garment while Saul was taking care of business in a cave. And... So you know the life of David up to this point. Now David is king, and he's still out wandering. He's out fighting, he's out fighting battles, and he finally gets to come back into Jerusalem and have a home. And he comes in, and he's so excited that he tears his shirt off, and he tears his garments off. He's probably still wearing his undergarments, and he's dancing around with pure excitement and love and worship of God. And he has this confrontation with Michael that I was talking to the kids about where she looks down. I imagine her kind of being up in a tower of sorts, although we know that wasn't the case. But that's how I picture it. And she looks down and she sees him doing this thing. And she's ashamed because he's not behaving in the way that a royal should behave. He's behaving in the way as a common person. And he walks into the building that she's in, and she confronts him. And she's like, David, you embarrassed us. You embarrassed all of the people that are of our status and stature. You embarrassed us. And David says, well, listen, if that was embarrassing to you, I've got news for you. You ain't seen nothing yet. It's going to get even better for me. And if, it's, if you don't like that, then tough, because guess what? I'm the king, and this is how I do things. So he goes, and he sits down, and he's relaxing. He's probably eating some grapes or some figs or something like that. And he realizes that his whole life he's been out wandering and trying to escape from things, and he's been in a dangerous situation. And now he's sitting in this fine home built out of cedar, eating figs fed to him by who knows and he realizes that God is in a tent. The Ark of the Covenant is in a tent. Now, it's a pretty fancy tent. They called it the tabernacle or the tent of meeting. It's pretty fancy, 
but it's a tent. And he's sitting in a house of cedar. So he decides that he is going to build God a house. And he says so to the prophet Nathan. And Nathan's like, look, do whatever you want. You're the king. That night, Nathan has a dream. He falls asleep and God starts to talk to him. And he says, go to my servant David and say this to David. David, this message comes from the Lord, paid for (laughs) by the people of whatever. Who told you to build a house for me, David? I've always lived in the wild, out in the wilderness, and wherever people are, that's where I am, and that's where I want to be. Who told you to build a house for me? Here's the thing, David. I've built a house for you. And you're going to have this great family. And I'm going to protect them, and I'm going to cut off your enemies. And one of those people from your family is going to be the next king, and I'll let him build me a house. And I'll call him my son. And just like you, David, when he sins, I'm going to have him deal with the consequences of his sin. That's the story. That's what all of those words that I just read were saying. But the hard part is how does this apply to us necessarily? Well, this last week I was reading an an article in a magazine that was talking about geese. I know, I talk about geese a lot because I like the weird images of the Holy Spirit, and there's this Celtic image of the Holy Spirit being a wild goose. But this particular article was talking about geese and how goslings, baby geese, when, when their mother is not present and they hatch, will attach themselves, or the, the technical term is imprint themselves, upon whatever large animal they see moving around them at the time that seems like it might take care of them. And as I was reading this article, I was reminded of the movie Fly Away Home. Did anybody ever watch that movie? It's an old movie, I, I don't know, maybe sometime in the 80s, I think. It's got Jeff Daniels before he was in Dumb and Dumber. And um, so the story is about a, husband, a, a father and a daughter. And they don't have a great relationship, but they end up uh, helping um, some geese eggs hatch. And the goslings imprint themselves on the daughter. And they've got to get the geese to a safe place. And so they build some ultralights. Is Robin Hastings here this morning? Oh, he'll hear us next time then. So they build some ultralights, which are essentially hang gliders with motors on them. And they make the wings look like giant goose wings. And the father and the daughter fly these ultralights across the country. And the geese follow them along the way. And they have some adventures. And uh, I won't tell you the spoiler Yeah, I will. I'll spoil it for you. They get to where they're supposed to go. (laughs) They camp out sometimes, have s'mores, eat marshmallows. (laughs) But the thing is, is we oftentimes, I think, do the same thing as those geese. We were created in the image of God. And we should follow God and allow God to take care of us and protect us and lead us. But somehow we imprint ourselves on other things and allow other things to lead us. So Michael watched David 
who knew that he should be following God. And he was so happy to be able to worship God just completely freely without the worries of people trying to attack him and where his next meal was going to come from. And he recognized that God had given him all of that. And so he was just in a state of ecstasy, worshiping God. Have you ever been there? Have you ever had those kinds of moments where you just, your heart just bursts open with love for God? I'm looking at Tom Capana back there shaking his head. There are times in our lives where we get so downtrodden and stricken by things that it's hard for us to recognize that God is around us and is with us. And then something happens and we break out of that and we can't help it but to worship God and to be thankful for the things that we have and the life that we're living and that God is with us in that. That's what David was experiencing. Michael had imprinted herself as a gosling does to whatever to power and to prestige and to having the right look and to behave and to behaving in the appropriate way but it's not just michael that does that we do that too right we imprint ourselves on our political affiliation well, because I'm a Republican, I ought to drive this kind of vehicle and have these types of habits and do these types of things and listen to this type of talk radio. Because I'm a Democrat, I ought to listen to this type of radio and I ought to eat this kind of food and I ought to do these sorts of things. We imprint ourselves on things and let other ideas and other thoughts lead us. And sometimes they're cohesive with our theology, but oftentimes they're not, and we just allow other things to lead us. That's called idolatry. One of the things that David was doing was trying to tell God what God needed. I think we do that also. We can tell God the best plan that God can come up with, right? You're all looking at me like I'm the only one who does that. But I talk to a lot of you. And I know we all do it. We all imprint ourselves on other things. We commit that sin. And we also commit the sin of telling God what God needs. And the reality is, God is so much bigger and so much other than us that we have no idea what God needs because here's the thing. God doesn't need. God is God. And just like David said to God, this is what you need, God says to us, just like God said to David, who told you to tell me what I need? I'm the one who gives you what you need. To me, that is so freeing. That is the truth of the gospel. Is that what we need, God gives us. And that sets us free. It truly sets us free. Because here's the thing. 
We don't have to worry about appealing to other people's interests and what they think we should be like because we are not imprinting to them. We are imprinted to our creator who we are created in the image of. Just like a gosling is created in the image of a goose, we are created in the image of God. So we don't have to worry about what other people are thinking when we go and do the things that God wants us to do. And we don't have to worry about providing for God because God provides for us. Therefore, all we have to do is worship God. So how is it that we worship God? We worship God in truth and in spirit. We worship God through our actions, the way that we interact with one another. The prophet Micah said, the job for human beings is to seek justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. Jesus phrased it another way and said, love the Lord your God with everything you've got and love your neighbor as yourself. That's how we worship God. And in the process of doing that, there will be times when we sense God's presence so strongly that we can't help, that we can't help but shout out our praises. And so we come here on Sunday mornings to do all of those things, to recognize that God has provided for us, to recognize that we are imprinted on God, and to recognize that there are times that we just want to cry out to God our love and sometimes cry out our desperation and frustration because for whatever reason, we can't sense God's presence. That's it. That's our job. That's the message of this story for me anyway. Is that we are created in the image of God. God takes care of us. We don't have to worry about what other people think. And we can worship wholeheartedly because of that. So Morningstar, United Methodist Church, let's live into that truth. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.